stress yourself when all you want to do is control your situation. <laughs> Sell everything, put a mortgage in that travel. Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode, episode number seven of the Better Stories podcast. So cool that you guys are listening, checking this out. It has been so fun, continues to be just a blast. Um, Loving telling these stories, interviewing these folks, and hearing all that's taking place in their lives, in your lives. Some of you are feeding back to me and letting me know this is making some difference in your life too. So that's cool, cool to hear. Uh, two things I want you to know before we jump in today. One is that we are going to keep this rolling throughout the fall, throughout the winter. Um, fall's almost over. Winter is here, it seems like, and uh, and into the spring, and we're, we're excited about that. Um, also want to let you know that there are some great interviews coming up. There's also another live Better Stories event uh, coming up on November 18th. If you're in the Buchanan, West Virginia area or region, I'm going to be doing another talk, another uh, storytelling night at the McNemer House, and uh, you can get your ticket online. There's no cost, um, but you do need to sign up for a ticket, McNemerhouse.com. Uh, you can get that Friday, November 18th. Would love to have you come. Actually, I think that's a Saturday, November 18th, but come be a part of that. Would love to have you there. Today, we've got a really fun interview that I did with a uh, married couple, Dave and Erica Baker, two of my closest, dearest friends uh, that used to be students in a youth ministry that I led. It's crazy, and it makes me feel old, and you'll hear all that, but they are just so fun, so cool, doing so many amazing things, living in the Washington, D.C. area as creatives, as creative thinkers, and now as new parents. And uh, we sat down and talked about life, about raising kids, about traveling the world, and um, all that they're into. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you hear their hearts and their love for life and, and energy as they travel and dream and, and really just make the world a better place. This is Dave and Erica Baker on Better Stories. So, well, guys, welcome. Um, thrilled to have you be a part of Better Stories. I always try to think of how to introduce people without saying too much because I want you to introduce yourselves. Um, but But here's what I know. You guys began for me as students in a youth ministry that I led years and years and years ago um, when we were all mu- much... I mean, it feels like a lot of years. It feels like a lot of years to me. So, But, but you began as students. You began as students and now have become some of our closest friends. Carrie and I cherish you guys as close friends and uh, wish, you know, wish we were closer to each other. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm thrilled to have you be a part of the podcast today. So thanks for thanks for joining me. And uh, why don't you take a few minutes and just introduce each other? Um, you can introduce yourself or introduce each other. However, your marriage works best. You guys you guys take care of that. Okay. Well, um, my name is, is Dave Baker. Um, I work here in DC as the managing director for a creative consultancy. Uh, we do everything from short films to website design to storytelling for organizations and nonprofits, uh, as well as companies, uh, both here in D.C. and around the country and sometimes uh, around the world. And uh, that's it in a nutshell, Erica. I'm Erica, and uh, I live here in D.C. also. I'm a freelance photographer in D.C. I do a lot of work with nonprofits. I do work on The Hill. I do work for um, 
with different corporations here. Then also eight months ago, I entered the realm of work at home, mom life. So I'm doing uh, raising a kid as well, alongside of you know, photography, and then also I do David uh, and make films and videos to other organizations alongside as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so you guys are living in the midst of D.C. Um, at a time when D.C. is, you know, up in, in a lot of conversations, and we'll, we'll get to that later. But, but you have brought a child into the world in the middle of this city, so, which is awesome. He's a, he's a really cool little kid that we can't wait to meet. And you guys need to this – is, this is just on air for recording. you got to commit on air to bring him to West Virginia to meet us. I know – it's a big thing, but that's part of the that's part of the response that has to happen tonight. But tell me, tell me about um, baby life. Tell me what's what's going on now. What, how has that changed? You guys are in creative fields that I'm imagining are are kind of unstructured at times, and you have to be adaptable but also strategic. So how's that going? Yeah, baby life. So it's interesting being a freelancer and then working in the creative field before before baby. We had a lot of flexibility in our schedules, which is great, and we still do, which we really love, um, but obviously babies are kind of the opposite of flexible, like when you, whatever you think that they're going to do, they're probably going to be the opposite, so that's something that's going to be adjustment uh, in a lot of ways, and also I think, you know, structuring my day around his schedule in a lot of ways, and um, it's, been, it's been a big adjustment, but at the same time, it's brought so much joy, and uh, I think brought a lot of creativity out to both of us in a lot of ways and I think any big life change really does that so I think that's you know it's, you, you change a lot when you must and it also is an, an interesting process and evolution as well yeah I'm not surprised you just I, I am a control freak <laughs> I like control I like being able to plan and the baby is the opposite of that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that will that will. Uh, I mean, you should have like two or three more kids because then it's really easy to control and structure. It, it gets simpler. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you do. I think you do it when you're young because you you have short term memory loss or something. I I don't know. I I just I look at people now with young kids and I'm like, gosh, I'm just tired watching them. Like I just I don't know how they do it, but it's awesome. So we, we were just saying today that we didn't know what tired was or exhausted was. So we and when our friends who have kids say that they're tired, we're like, you have no idea what you're Yeah, and I and I have to fight my cynicism towards people like that. Like I have college kids in our congregation that are like, oh I'm so tired. I had class at eight AM and I'm like yeah, I don't. I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about your problems. <laughs> You're like, if you sleep for more than three last night, I got one to consecutive time. That's not tired. Yeah, exactly. So, so guys, talk about um, talk about your vocational journeys. I, I mean, I, I say it that way because I know you guys have really kind of taken paths and. And Dave, you and I have talked about this. You said you're a control freak and you kind of try to plan everything and get that going. But I, but I know that you guys have made some changes over the past few years. And, um, you know, what does that look like? What, what do your current roles entail for people who maybe don't know 
the creative industry, um, and, and how did you get there? It's a good question. <laughs> Random series of events. Um, so after college, we moved to, to, to D.C. after I graduated, and I had to pick up in the medical field, actually, in marketing. And, uh, and while I was doing that, I started building up a brilliant clientele here in the city. Um, eventually, that led me to essentially... Uh, jump ship from the corporate life for about two months um, and then start in on this new uh, creative agency that I'm a part of now. Um, I did leave one detail out of that, which is that two-month period that Erica and I decided to change everything a little bit and, and head out and do some traveling for those two months, which I'll let Erica talk about. Yeah. So, I guess it was two years ago in August, not exactly, two years ago exactly, we were probably in Grand Iceland. We were um, just looking back at how much our life has changed in two years, and we were sleeping babies um, above us. But uh, we, Dave was starting to do job, and we, had, we kind of decided, you know, we have a gap of time between when he's quitting his job in medical field and when he's starting his new job as agency, let's just if we can take time to travel. So we uh, actually booked a few different jobs internationally, uh, almost all those jobs, or all of them, I guess, in Africa, East Africa. So that's where we started. We started out in Uganda, and then um, we sold all of our furniture here in D.C. We got rid of our apartment. We put the rest of our belongings in storage and took off, and so we went from there and just for... Two months, two of the months, we were traveling internationally, just skipping around, and then we got back to the States, traveled around a little bit in the States, and then we actually just slept on front couches, because we had nowhere to live, <laughs> and so we found an apartment, and then Ken started, I guess, where we are now, which is, I'm freelancing, and then Dave is working at their um, and so that's kind of how we got to where we are currently, career-wise. Okay. Um, so Erica was a photographer, and I was doing full-time, uh, it was freelance video production. Uh, and so we were easy, we were able to book jobs um, internationally. And, uh, that's how we essentially bought ourselves a one-way ticket to Uganda, and then went from Uganda to Kenya, Kenya to Zanzibar, Zanzibar to Ethiopia, Ethiopia to Turkey, Turkey to Iceland, Iceland back to D.C., and you know, three of the countries we had projects, and three of those countries we took a short vacation. So, um, talk about trying to stretch yourself when all you want to do is control your situation, <laughs> sell everything, put a storage, and travel. Yeah, yeah. So you're, I mean, you're kind of letting some of life intentionally unravel back home while you're navigating global travel somewhere else, which, which I'm sure puts you in a tension spot of like. This is epic and this is amazing and it's really unknown at the same time. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> yeah, I still remember the day we were we, we left DC on June thirtieth, which was my birthday, yeah. and literally had finished packing two and a half hours before our flight, moving all of our stuff into our friend's basement and having friends come over and help us pick up the remaining items. Like they had to come. They had to come because we weren't going to make it to our plane because we planned so poorly. We kept thinking, we don't have a bunch of stuff. We'll do that long pack. <laughs> we were so down to the wires to get to the airport and neither of us had to shower after packing. 
And we're on a plane to Uganda wedding. And we throw, we brought all this random stuff in our luggage because we just throw stuff in there. They brought like seven sweaters. It was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I did not bring seven sweaters. <laughs> okay, well, you brought like two, and I had to buy extra in the bag for you. And we just you know, throwing them away. So it was fun. <laughs> so, so you come back from this trip and, and kind of this several projects, but also vacation, and you start kind of this new path in life. Um, talk, Dave, talk about the organization that you work with now, because I love, I love some of the heart behind what they're doing. Yeah, so I'm managing director of a company called Bittersweet Creative. Bittersweet um, has two sides. Bittersweet Creative is our for-profit engine. We do creative services for clients, um, for-profit. Um, we also have something called Bittersweet Foundation. And Bittersweet Foundation publishes an online magazine uh, that essentially explores uh, the concept of, of light and darkness, the idea of bittersweet. So two uh, different juxtaposing ideas. Uh, and, and what that looks like ends up being a story about a boxing club on the south side of Chicago, or a woman in the slums of Cairo who's dedicated her life to bringing kids education. Um, so they're, they're monthly stories that we build creative teams around, including filmmakers, photographers, writers. We send them out to go capture these stories, and it's all with the intention on telling a different narrative, a counter-narrative to what oftentimes is popular media and the mainstream uh, of just a negative news cycle. So we're trying to find glimmers of hope within uh, the darkness that, that is often, again, perpetuated through, through what we see on the news daily. Um, so so we have the creative side, we have the nonprofit side. The creative side channels our profits uh, to fund the, the foundation side. And it's incredible because it's our sandbox. We're our own client at that point. And so we get to go out and create um, and tell these incredible stories and um, go on these fantastic adventures. Uh, again, meeting these people who are doing really cool things um, around the world and domestically and here in the United States. Uh, and so, so it's a really cool balance. Um, again, serving clients, but also uh, serving our passion and um, our purpose that we're you know, we're setting out to be storytellers. And so whether that's for a paycheck or whether that's for ourselves, and uh, again, there's stories that need to be told. And so it's, it's fun to be a part of that and be in the middle of that, uh, especially here in D.C. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and what a powerful what a powerful way to frame that. Um, and, and I'll put in the, the notes from this, the, the website, but where, where can people access some of the stuff that you guys are doing? How can, how can they connect with what you guys are, are pursuing and creating? Absolutely. That's bittersweetmonthly.com. Okay. Okay. And then you and Erica specifically have a site as well, right? Yeah. So then on a, on a whole other side, we've got a, a small site called Baker Stories. Com. I think it sounds a little bit like better story than Yeah. <laughs> I, I ripped it off. So I mean you're living in a you're living in a city um, notorious for being incredibly expensive, notorious for being cutthroat, uh, for being kind of drive yourself forward and achieve what you can and get out with all the connections that you can. 
And, and what I love about you guys is that you've put roots down there, and, and you've really, you've really said this. This is where we're going to be um, for now, for this season, and, and for as long as we we know for right now. This is this is where we're going to be, and I have to imagine it puts you in a place where you're doing creative work, but you're also saying we've got to be strategic because we've got to we've got to make a living. We've got to be able to be here, and you know we do want to pursue our passions, but we also have to be strategic. How, how are you navigating those two things? Kind of holding this creative job and vocation, and managing a family and your passions, and also a strategy that's going to push you forward into that successfully. One thing is living here in D.C., we are, um, I guess it's just really interesting here, especially in this past year, so, so much about our city, and so there's mostly really negative things about our city. Our city is such a bad rep, and uh, we don't really experience that as much. I think that we have so many close friends that work in government, and that um, it's really just amazing people that genuinely care about their country and so I think it's been a little bit difficult to be living here for the past year or so and just hear that constantly about uh, where we live but at the same time that there is there is a reality that there is a lot of corruption here and that uh, there is this fast-paced life that we are um, I think a little bit immune to we're just kind of used to that pace um, because we've been living here for six years and so when we leave these it's actually kind of just refreshing to see that it's not always the case you know yeah. Living with that. Um, but I think that we, we're really, I think, in this season trying to learn how to intentionally carve out uh, time for, to be intentionally carve out time for um, our, our own businesses, for work, for our own passions, for our family. Um, it's just something that's really small, but just in the past few weeks, we made the decision to move our television to the basement um, just because we want something like that to be a decision and not a default um, so we can uh, make more time for things that are actually more important to us than um, mindlessly watching television. But just little things like that I think that we're trying to be more intentional about in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how does this, how does the work that you're doing, the things that you feel like you're, you're called to pursue, how is that integrating with your family's life? I mean, I know you guys are new to, to parenthood and all that, but, but what are you learning? What are you learning in that process? What does it mean, you know, for your vocation to kind of interact with the rest of life? You know, up until eight months ago, well, longer than that, I guess. Eric was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Before the baby. Um, you know, we had a lot of freedom and flexibility to pursue our, you know, again, whether it was business, whether it was photo shoots. Now it's sort of juggling a new lifestyle because it's not about us and our schedule. We have a third person that we have to take care of. Um, And that being said, you know, it sounds like it might be a hindrance or it might be an obstacle to to work around, but but having the baby and having caused so much joy and it's brought a whole new type of creativity to our family. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that one other big life change, talking about loading it all up just six months, is we bought a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought a house in the District of Columbia. Got over seven years of loading it small apartment. Just a straight home. Yeah, so all of these six months, like baby, new house, having just left this vagabond lifestyle where we can up and go whenever we want, <laughs> just 
teach, but at the same time, I, I think that I'm learning in this season, man, how much I, I craved space yeah. and how much living in the more uh, the denser part of the city at the time ended up being a creative hindrance almost. Yeah. Now I come home and there's space to breathe a little bit uh, yeah. for me and my personality. Um, and and I'm, I've now got a house to be a creative outlet. Um, again, working in the in like in the creative profession, um, you're sort of to a point. You have to produce work. You have to have an output, especially if you're going to get paid. You have to continually produce, um, and that can really be a burden, um, and that can stifle creativity um, unless you're you're finding uh, another outlet more creativity in a different way. Um, and the other interesting thing is when you're in the creative world, you know, a lot of people have hobbies as photographers or hobbies as illustrators or designers, but when it's your day-to-day job, you know, you, you don't always get to enjoy it the same way that you might have been with a hobby. And yeah. so uh, you look for new ways to express creativity. As weird as it might sound, I have a lawn to take care of now. Right. <laughs> and nope. I have projects So, so let me ask this. Do you guys sense kind of your desires, um, y- you know, for kind of pace of life, where you're living, neighborhoods, communities? Do, do you sense that shifting a little bit with with the birth of your son? I mean, you know, a lot of families kind of take this trajectory today where it's, okay, we're in the city and then we have kids and we're in the suburbs and then, you know, we're looking a little more rural as we get older and it quiets down. Like, do you sense that or do you see that on your horizon or do you feel like, no, like this is just a change of pace and here's here's where we are or maybe we don't know yet? I think we were shocked like when we, uh, by how much we did start to feel that in a lot of ways. Um, feel we were living in our apartment, but I think shocked by how much we were concerned about our environment or thinking about our environment in a totally different way when we found out that we were having a baby. Um, 
And so I think we, we talked about everything when we were, uh, when Biggie was born, like, do we want to move? Move? Do we want to leave the city? Like, how do we feel? Um, do we want to buy a ranch in the middle of nowhere? Like, what do, what do we want? And I think that uh, we ended up landing on that we really do want to raise our, our kids in an urban environment. We put so many things that we really love about it, at least in this season. Well, a lot of times we, we've, we've talked about this tension that we have, you know, a desire to travel, a desire for adventure, but at the same time having an equal desire for home, yep. for sense of place, community. Um, and, I, and I honestly think that the popular opinion is that you can't have both. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that, that we are actively trying to reject. Um, and say, really, you can. Like, you can have a home, you can have a sense of place, community, but you can also travel, but you just have to arrange your priorities differently and you have to be creative about how you approach that lifestyle. Um, again, you know, we're, we're new parents, um, and I'm sure things are going to get more complicated as we, as we uh, get farther into parenthood, but... Uh, when Cullen was six months, we, we took him on his first international trip and he officially got pass, his own passport and his own passport stamp to prove it yeah. <laughs> that he's been out of the country. Uh, but, but we took our, our six-month-old to Greece and to France and he's been to Canada. <laughs> and again, uh, you know, our, our hope is that we can continue to, to live the adventures that we did previously. They're going to look a little bit different. Maybe they won't be as frequent, um, but but we hope that we can uh, can kind of rough it a little bit and take these little more fun roads when we do go places. Yeah, I think something we really love about living in an urban environment is the um, just the diversity and all the different things that we hope that we can expose Cohen to and the different uh, views and people and I, and uh, we just feel really passionately about um, about that in, in our Um, 
you know, there's a thriving, real uh, community here in D.C. that is that just incredible to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's, it's a richness and a beauty. I mean, D.C. is one of my favorite cities in, in the whole country, but also there's a richness to what you guys are saying about this tension that, that really doesn't go away as parents, that, that there's a, there's a desire to keep my kids protected and safe at every age that they're at. And there's a desire to provide adventure and risk and make them courageous at every age. And, you know, I think it's beautiful because every family has to learn and figure out how to navigate that. And, and it gives you a lot of sense of, you know, you, you guys are, are wrestling through that already. And I, and I think it's wise and it's intentional and it's good that you're asking those questions and, and kind of taking that a step at a time. I get leery of parents who go, oh, yeah, the answer's easy. Here's what I'm doing. Fill in the blank. You know, because <laughs> there's no formula. There's, there's no program, and I, I think that's, that's cool. So let's, let's shift a little bit here and talk about some of the fun stuff of your travels. Um, what, what's your favorite? I, and I know this is hard. I ask travelers this all the time, but what's the best place you've ever been? Yeah, and, and she hit favorite are there any places that you're like nah we're good we're not going to go back there And then it's just covered in resorts of 
mostly European vacationing, and so you've got this weird um, tension, really, of people who aren't with a religion and um, women who are completely covered in the job, and then you know, European women who are not covered at all. Um, <laughs> that tension just felt really awkward for us, and we just really didn't. It was hard to vacation there just because of how we felt really the tension of that. So what's the next trip you're taking, or what? Or what are you dreaming about if you don't have anything planned? Yeah, we don't have any international trips planned at the moment. Um, we just got yeah, got back from the trip with the baby, which is a whole other ball game. Uh, jet lag was a big muscle. It was really interesting, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. Um, I think in the future we're hoping to take. We're waiting for COVID to get his vaccination, so we can take him other places other than Europe, really. Um, but I think we have a dream of taking him um, unexpected places for a child. We'd like to be able to bring him to Africa, different countries that we've been to, um, if we can. We're hoping to sneak some things in before he costs more money on a plane ticket. So yeah, you you can fly free till he's two. He won't remember any of it, but yeah. No. Why are you bringing your kid abroad and you don't remember any of it? Well, I don't know. It's more for us for our memory. He might not remember it, but I sure do. Exactly. So and I mean, you guys did that. You guys. Yep. Yeah, we had we had Presley in Spain. She was six weeks old. Six weeks. I she was really young. She was really young. Yeah, that's, um, that's funny. That's the thing. I mean, there's definitely countries in my mind that I'm really excited that I'd like to go to. Um, we're, we're dying to go to Scotland. Or yeah. We're dying to go to Argentina, Patagonia. Um, we'd love to go to South Africa, go to wine country, see the penguins, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll that's awesome. So, last kind of big question. Um, with better stories, we really the heart behind what we're doing with this is challenging people to rebel against boredom in their life. Um, you know, kind of my fundamental core belief is that we are we are made to live life. We're created to live life and have big dreams and have big hopes. And I think a lot of what's stifling our culture and our world today is people that are that are just living bored and routine and discontent and cynical and you know much of what you've what you've talked about already but you know we're really challenging people to live more intentionally more purposefully uh, more creatively what what does that look like for you guys right now and I and I know we've kind of talked about this but what are the things that you guys are talking about hey this is this is kind of this season of life this is what we're pursuing what we're dreaming about what we're choosing to go after yeah, I think for me, combating boredom, what comes to mind is growing up with my dad. He, uh, I think I got my sense of adventure from him in a lot of ways. Um, he just used the word adventure a lot growing up, and uh, it wasn't about big things. 
um, it would be like, he would just come around the corner randomly and say, hey, do you want to go on an adventure? And typically that was like riding a bike to run the gravel pit a block away or like, usually I'd do riding a bike, riding a bike to ice cream shop in our pajamas, something silly, but uh, I, I just loved growing up with that attitude, and I, I really think that I brought that into adulthood. Anything that's outside of routine, I consider an adventure, and I try to do that often, whether that's just going somewhere out of my regular neighborhood or where I go, and just really considering it an adventure, and uh, looking for those opportunities, and trying to live, I think, the overall story arc of our lives, we're trying to live an adventure. And trying not to um, get too much. I mean, routine is important. I think my personality type is I really dislike routine in general, so it's easier for me. But um, when we like we're getting bored or we're in routine, like we try to think of ways to kind of shake things up. Um, trust we've moved a lot, different apartments and things. I'm not saying everyone should do that. I hope we're doing that a little bit less this season. But uh, I just think that it's, for me, it's just the mindset and the way that we're. Um, trying to live our, our lives and our daily lives too. I mean, just trying to you know, do, do things differently, meet new people, go to different places, even again, even if it's in our own just like a neighborhood over or something. Um, yeah, that's so. awesome. That's awesome, Dave. I don't. If you want to add anything, you can. <laughs> yeah. So in you know DC. Again, it, it is a, it's a tight bay city. People are real cocoa. Yeah. Uh, driven, always fast paced. It's interesting because I'm looking at the word boredom and I'm thinking, man, I have so many friends who become, you know, what they talk about is being too busy. Um, yeah. Which is, which is, again, maybe it's, maybe it's the routine that people get into of being busy. Of, always planning their schedule is always busy is a bad honor here yeah busy is a bad honor and I um, I was mulling over this over this idea of boredom and I was thinking there's definitely a this might sound counterintuitive but but carving out to intentionally step back and and look at, at what's happening around you I think is a way to and deal with with the idea of boredom or even the idea of busyness. Like stepping back and looking at what your priorities are and taking a breath for just a minute, um, slowing down. Um, it, it sounds so strange, but this house for us has, has been a little bit what feels like a slower pace of life. Uh, I mean, we, I, I, we don't live in a two-minute walk down to the sandwich shop or the bar. We, live, we actually have to get the car and drive here. I only get sirens like once a day or a helicopter once a day. <laughs> and it's forced us to, to be more intentional, to, to again cook at home. And again, moving the television down into the basement has allowed us for more time at the, at the table with the baby and just interacting instead of again, getting stuck into the television program or whatever. But, but there's a certain amount of intentionality that it forced us into because we have to. To, to again plan and to, to be more proactive but I think rebelling against boredom, boredom for me is, is it's, a, it's a practice of making daily intentional decisions to do something meaningful uh, no matter how small or large that might be I think it's, it's, it's 
oftentimes in the small daily tasks that we find the most meaning uh, or in the small moments uh, when you're hanging out with your family. Um, and so I think that, that, that that's kind of my summary of it. Yeah. yeah, I think if you need to, if you think of boredom, you think of like twiddling your thumbs and sitting around an idle one. I think uh, boredom that you're talking about is more of an overarching boredom. Like you need to, to fill up your time so you're not idle with busy things, but then actually be really bored in your life. And so I think that we're trying to intentionally combat that in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But, and that's that's exactly the heart of what we're talking about. So I appreciate you guys sharing that. So. So we close every one of these interviews with um, five fast-paced questions that you guys have not seen and have not prepared for. So I and I just I know this has probably stressed Dave out, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I'll fire these off, and you guys just answer. You can both share. You can one of you can point to each other. Who whatever you want to do. So nose goes. However you want to do it. Um, Here's the first question. What's the best travel hack you've learned that everybody needs to know about? Ooh, so many. <laughs> packing cubes. The first thing that comes to mind, especially when you're packing, uh, going around a lot, and you've got all the fuel packing in one bag, using different color packing cubes, and then labeling them is a game chaser. Okay. Oh, man, I'm a bag guy. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta choose the right bag. I just got this bag that is a Patagonia backpack that converts into satchels. It's got all the packing compartments you can possibly need. We're really drinking out right now, but if you gotta, again, if you're gonna do any expensive travel, like have the right bag and luggage to take you where you want to go, it'll make your life much easier. Google Translate app if you're going somewhere. Yes, that helped that helped me lead a team through Spain. That was that was an amazing, amazing app. So that's great. can do that we can do that sometime <laughs> all right how about uh best best movie or film you've seen in the past year haven't seen as many so that maybe we did take go into his first movie um it was a cry day that day i don't know if you've ever heard of that where you can bring your baby and they're allowed to cry it's awesome but we saw lion yeah you seen that? yeah it's I, really good it's about adoption and like using technology um, it's like a really interesting way. It was so it was just really good. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a few longer. I had a few longer flights than Erica has. Yeah. <laughs> so I was flying to I think I flew to Kenya and I watched Silent Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. So Lion, I just watched again today because I'm using it in a teaching that I'm doing, and uh, it's, it's probably my favorite film I've seen in, in several years. Um, and it's silence phenomenal. was silence was incredible and incredibly hard to watch. Oh, it was. I haven't seen it. I, I really want to, but I just I never feel the mood for watching movies about genocide. I can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like a popcorn popcorn and snow caps type of night. <laughs> so. No, no, and I think silence is the one where 
probably have to watch it three, four times, and every time it's going to challenge you that much more. But it's, it's not an easy one. No, no doubt. But it's, it's really good. Those are those are great choices. Those are great. Have you seen Manchester by the Sea yet? We did. Okay. Also a good choice. I like I like that. We should do a podcast on travel hacks and movies. That would be fun too. So we could we could do that. <laughs> That's right. It would it would go a long time. So, all right. How about this? E- either the best or the worst overseas meal you've had. You can pick best or worst. Uh, well, I'll do best. Eric, you can do worst. Uh, worst. Um, unfortunately, we got really bad food poisoning when we were in Ethiopia. And for the listeners, Tibs are pieces of meat that have been cooked. Um, sometimes you know what meat it is. Sometimes you don't. And you oh, yeah, no, it's kind of just communal food. I mean, it's it's just communal food. This this year when we were in Ethiopia, they handed me a plate with Tibs, and on the side was the raw meat. And our translator nearly ripped it out of my hand and said, please don't eat that. <laughs> so <laughs> I get it. Yeah. We should have known better. It's like we've been in, at that point, been in Africa for a month, and you start to kind of let your guard down, and we shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the best meal? we got to pick pick everybody's spirits up after that. Yeah, the best meal. I know this is the thing, but, man, we were in, we were in Colombia, um, and, I mean, that's a whole other story, what we were doing there, but I ended up getting a meal with three different servings of meat. Not every meal in Colombia. Sorry, every meal in Colombia was basically like a giant of chicken with a piece of steak and with chorizo on the side. Chicken, beef, and chorizo. Like steak, chicken, chorizo. Every <laughs> with, a, with a baked potato and a and a, and a rice. How do you even eat that? Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to end up eating to eat. Something, tell, eat something well. tells me Dave did just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that that I'm hungry now. So <laughs> All right. So, um last concert you went to? Oh, we just uh, for our anniversary went to Bonnie Bear. Oh, um, see, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, his new album. We really love it a lot. And, yeah. Um, I I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So <laughs> that's on that's on my bucket list. I have a friend who is like two degrees removed from Justin Vernon, and uh, knows you know kind of ins and outs of the festival up in Wisconsin that he does. And he hasn't connected me yet. We're I'm not sure we're friends anymore. But all right, last last question. Justin Vernon came to Taylor University Art little college and played in our coffee shop. That's true. That would have been really awesome. So, um, last, last question, this is kind of rapid fire. I know there's like whole dissertations written on this, but what have you learned about politics after living in DC? Sure. Um, 
<laughs> That's a really uplifting way to end a podcast, I know. Uh, yeah. Um, I think living in D.C., like I was saying earlier, we personally know so many people that are working just your rather than average jobs in the government. All people working really, really cool jobs. But um, I feel like people who work in the government in D.C. get this really bad rep, and I feel like we know so many people that really are trying to do the best for their country on both sides of the aisle. Um, really, really trying hard. And I think living in D.C., we get that unique perspective, seeing, you know, just the humanity of people. Um, we have faces to make, not just this uh, machine it's, you know, of the government, just knowing people that we go to church with, people that we have coffee with that um, are working in these jobs and um, getting to see their heart and just know that it's not just this faceless thing from government that people can just, you know, I'm trash talk all the time. There's really people doing really good things, too. It's not just corruption, even though that doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I'd, I'd echo a little bit, uh, or repeat from earlier, too, is that even though D.C. is very much the political capital of the country, there's so much more to D.C. and the city than just politics. Yeah. And there's some really cool stuff going on, some really cool people on a really really incredible art scene um, and, and and people here who are, who are trying to do uh, really change the world, change the communities and, and so we love living here, it's a great city we hope everybody out there will visit <laughs> <laughs> every time I do, we live a few blocks from the Capitol building it's still, I think it's still cool the fact that it's just amazing to live with the history happening around you every day it really is fun yeah, yeah, that's cool. And hearing you guys talk about and just share your passion for the city is is pretty powerful too. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much. This is uh, this has been good, and people can get more information at bakerstories.com or what was the other one? Bitter Bittersweet Monthly is that right? That's right. Okay, and we will be we'll be sharing that and getting everything out for people to uh, engage with. So, Dave, Erica, thank you. Thank you.